Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. It's one of my favorite days of the year for us because it's, you know, nearing the start of the season, we got couple weeks until spring training games start, and you know that we love spring training games here on ARR. Yeah. Uh, so you know what that means. we got to start looking ahead to this season. The offseason is over. Uh, all the free agents have signed. Sorry, Michael Waka and Gary Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all the free agents have signed. So we know everything about what the teams are going to look like this year. Uh, and we have, we're debuting our players to watch, uh, which is, you know, I spend the entire offseason looking at this. I've... Uh, come up with a comprehensive list of players who will all do extremely well this year. None of them will flop, which is yeah. awesome because it's it's really good that we're both 100% on this every year. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's a real like if you want like if you're playing fantasy baseball, just listen to this cuz we're picking we're picking sleepers every time and yeah, it's a 100% hit, hit rate. Hit rate, yeah. Yeah. Batting a thousand as they would call it. Yep. Um don't look at Carlos Hernandez's stats from last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't look at Brennan Davis. Tim LaCastro's 2021 um where he was DFA'd by the worst team, team in the league. By the team with the worst record in baseball. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, you know, but but look at Stephen Kwan's stats from last year. Look yeah. at Stephen Kwan. Look at Byron Buxton's 2021. Yeah. Who was your number 1 hit last year? Um uh, my number 1 I had a lot of like, um, I had, I had like a starting rotation of threes last year, but I I, I would have to look back. Gotcha. Prep eleven, uh, it was it was a November episode we did. Yes, we uh, did because it was after the World Series. After the World Series, uh, number one hit was Logan Gilbert. That's a good one. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, ERA went down one point four eight. Um, but yeah, like. Yeah, we, we've prefaced this before. Uh, we we like to try to kind of pick under the radar guys. A lot of the times they're younger guys too mm-hmm. um, that, you know, are, are potential breakout candidates. Um, I wonder how old my, my oldest player is today. Yeah. I'm, very, I'm actually very curious because, yeah, I think all my players are on the younger side. Yeah, and today is uh, we, we break down the NL Central. Um, usually we're starting with like an, with like a central team. Uh, however, this time it's actually, uh, it's actually based on a randomizer list that we, (laughs) that we put together. So we'll reveal what, uh, what division we're doing next week. Um, luckily we're able to do one division at a time this off season because last, last year, uh, you know, there was the lockout. So most of the rosters were not finalized, so we couldn't really. Yeah. <laughs> and also we were doing a, like if we started doing a preview at this time last year, we'd be like, wow. are, are we previewing? Like, are we? <laughs> you couldn't preview anything because it's like yeah. we didn't know what the teams looked like because so many guys, yeah, they didn't sign. Um, real quick, my oldest player, 
three of them going to into their age 25 season. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine I'm probably in a similar spot. Yeah, not not all of them are going to be like that. I'm I am going to have some guys later down the line that are a little bit older, but today I happen to only have some very young guys. Yeah, yeah. Last year, but yeah, last year we didn't know if there was a season to preview. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um so we were lucky enough to get 162 games. Um because Major League Baseball almost missed their seventh deadline. True, true, true. <laughs> to to get an agreement done. Well, yeah, because there was the the initial deadline. Like they were like, okay, it's not going to be a 162 game season. And then the next week, like, they were like, actually, we could kind of do it this way if we get an agreement done by this day. And then they didn't, but they were like, well, we'll just keep going. Yeah, we'll just we'll just tack on. I'll never forget. It was like 1:30 in the morning, and I was in my my friend's uh, suite. You know, right across. Yeah, I can literally see it right there. Yeah. And I'm and like Bob Nightingale was reporting like the 47th meeting in a row between because yep. it was. It was like it was the ballpark in Jupiter where like Dan Halen was walking from one side to the other. It's the like one of the MLB representatives and like Tony Perez was doing the same thing. It was electric. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great for baseball. Like, and I was I was at that ballpark like a week later and I was like, this is where it happened. <laughs> it was so funny because the pictures were like reporters just setting up beach chairs like outside of the ballpark. Like yeah. they weren't allowed in. Like there was like a little. F- so I was there, so I can tell you. Uh, the scene, but like there's like a little f- fence where you can see like a small bit of the ballpark. You could see like third base and like left field ish, um, and you could just see like maybe like a 200 foot. Uh, what what am I looking for? Like a 200 foot space where you could see players walking back and forth. Yeah. So that's that's what they were looking at. Yeah, yeah, that's that. <laughs> that's that that sucked. Yeah, that really did. Yep. Uh. Yeah, great for baseball. Like you live, you live for moments like that. Mm-hmm. Like those, those are the moments you. You'll just never forget. So it's a where were you moment, and I remember where I was. I was right there. Yeah, I remember. You can't see it on radio, but. I remember I where I learned the baseball season was happening was in American literature too. Nice. <laughs> I was in uh, I was in the Mac Lab. Yeah. Because it was a Wednesday. And Which white. meant I had a lot to do the next that night and the next day. So it was, I was preparing. It was March tenth. It was one of my sister's birthdays, so nice. I'm sure she was psyched. <laughs> she doesn't really watch baseball. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, uh so yeah, today is uh preview day for the NL Central. However, we do have one bit of news to get into. Not a free agent signing, but a signing nonetheless. It's an extension. It kind of shocked the baseball world in a, in a Oh yeah, a, this did happen. In a bit of a way, uh you Darvish was extended by the Padres for 6 years, 108 million dollar uh 108 million dollars. Uh, it takes him through his age 42 season, which was the most eye-popping thing. That's what everyone's talking yeah. about. Um, however, yeah, the Padres did extend, you know, potentially their best pitcher for uh, for six more years. You know, the six numbers is the most shocking. What did you think of the deal? I love it. I honestly really love this deal. Uh, I know that I'm probably on, like, the, uh, like the right side of the bell curve mm-hmm. with, like, people who absolutely love it more than the average person. Yeah. Um, and let me explain to you why. You Darvish, yes, he is going into his age 36 season. The deal will begin at age 37. But as of right now, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. In 2022, he threw his, he threw the 11th most innings in baseball with 194.2. And he also had the best strikeout-to-walk ratio of his career in a full season. I'm not counting 2020. I'm sorry. Um, so, I mean, he 
is still in ways getting better, and which you know, which means there's no real sign of him slowing down anytime soon. Um, and how much time, Chris, have we spent on this show talking about what the future of the Padres after this season? Because the rotation is kind of bleh. I mean, you have like Seth Lugo in there, Nick Martinez, uh, guys who you know you're kind of questioning how reliable they can be given the expectations that the team has. You Darvish and Blake Snell are both free agents after this year, and really they only have. I think is Jackson Merrill a pitching prospect? Is that the one like pitching prospect they have that that yeah, is I don't coming know. up? Because it doesn't look like they have much reinforcements on the way. Yeah, um, exactly. He's a shortstop. Never mind. He's not even a pitcher. Yeah, they don't even have... Like, they depleted their farm system to build this team. They don't really have many reinforcements coming in. Their rotation is already probably the biggest question mark on their team. You need guys like you, Darvish, to stay around if yeah. you're going to compete in the future. Because the team is obviously not in win-now mode. They're in win-now and the future mode. True. Yeah, absolutely, especially, you know, when, you know, they signed an 11-year deal uh, this past offseason as well. Yep. Um, you know, it's <laughs> it's not something they've really shied away from. They offered Judge 10 years. They offered Turner, I think, more than 11. But yeah. uh, but I, I know it was going to be the, – the contract value was going to be higher than Lindor's. It, it's crazy. It's crazy the contracts they've signed and the contracts they've been rejected. Yep. Um, yep. With the Padres, but uh, there's a there's a lot of thoughts I have with this thing. First, my first thought is, um, or maybe the most important thought is, I wonder if the Padres have had any contact with Blake Snell about a potential extension because you know you figure, you know maybe you Darvish is better now. But you figure the best candidate for a six-year contract right now of a potential guy, you know, a guy who's going to be uh, a free agent after next year, you figure that's Blake Snell, so you maybe talk to him first. I wonder if his asking price is, is higher and a bit higher for them. You know, he's coming off a uh, a very good year in which he had a... Um, a know, strong finish, too. Yeah, a 3-3-8 ERA, which is good, but more eye-poppingly, a, a 2-8-0 FIP. And twelve strikeouts per nine, and yeah, his he finished amazingly. I he was like one. I think he was like the best pitcher in the league in the last month of the season. It was like Aaron Nola, Blake Snell. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what you're saying though. Like he's a better investment given his age and given, uh, you know how much he has left in the tank. You know, obviously we don't know how Yu Darvish is going to be because a lot of a lot of people are writing him off in his age forty season as like, oh, he's going to be a fossil. He's going to be a below average pitcher. We don't know that. Like yeah. Darvish, like I said, there's no signs of slowing down. He could still be very, you know, serviceable at the very least. Yeah. Come, you know, 2028. 20, that leads to my second takeaway. You Darvish has two people to thank. That's Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Yep. Yeah. Because if they weren't going out there balling out in their late 30s like they are now, Jude Darvish isn't getting this deal. I don't think so. I don't think any, even the Padres, I don't think they're handing out this deal. But Justin Verlander, you know, went out and he was 39 winning that Cy Young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he goes out, wins a Cy Young at, at age 39 uh, off a of Tommy John surgery. It shows you what's kind of possible for pitchers. You know, the Padres, you're, no MLB team is signing, you know, a center fielder to their age 42 season. That's just not happening. That's just not how center fielders age. They're not they're not at peak performance when they're in their late 30s typically. However, pitchers age a lot differently. I think we sometimes we forget that um when guys get signed late into their 30s like this, like pitchers 
they age differently. Max Scherzer has shown that. You know, he was the highest paid pitcher last year, and you know, if not for injuries, he would have been a Cy Young candidate. Easily. Um, and you know, it wasn't even like injuries took him back crazy. I think he still had like 140, 140 or 150 innings pitched. Um, he was really, really good and really valuable to the Mets. Justin Verlander, obviously, age 39 season, Cy Young for the Astros, and he just got signed to the Mets. Uh, through his age 41 season um, at two at $43 million a year. Um, so you Darvish has them to thank. And, you know, it could, it could work out like that where he is dominant into, uh, you know, like his age 40 season. So, you know, it's not necessarily as bad as like, you know, signing a, uh, you know, a shortstop second baseman, uh, cat, well, definitely not catcher, but center fielder, any outfielder into their age 42 season, because, those positions age a lot differently than a than a starting pitcher. It seems. Um, my third takeaway is one one thing that you pointed out. They don't have reinforcements uh, coming yep. from below. You know the Padres have been you know for for many years they were tied, touted as one of the most you know one of the best farm systems in baseball. They've all either come up or been traded now. And some and a lot of them didn't work out, unfortunately, for for the Padres. Uh, but yeah, they don't really have any reinforcements beyond this year. It's really just Joe Musgrove and no one else. So so maybe taking a risk on you, Darvish, makes a lot more sense. Say if the I don't know. I'm trying to think of a team with a say if the Orioles did this for some reason, mm-hmm. it might not make as much sense because they have better reinforcements and a better farm system. Whereas yeah, the Padres are kind of like left in the dust so it makes more sense it makes more sense to invest in a guy who's going to be in his later years knowing that you know who knows when you're going to get your next you darvish like pitcher because it's not going to be soon exactly one thing that i'm very curious about is i want to know if the padres like the front office was in any way influenced by the turnout at their fan fest because i'm sure you saw it chris i mean the place was you know i don't know if you saw the tweet of like the like the side by side with like the 2015 Padres Fan Fest and the 2023 one, where there was like ten times as many people at the 2023 one, and yeah, you know, a lot of people had the takeaway of like this is what happens when you invest in your team. Um, I really want to know because this extension happened a week after that, so I really am curious to know if there was any sort of you know takeaway in the front office being like, all right, people like when we do this, let's just keep going. Yeah, you know, right. I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't know if. It's the only. It's probably not the only reason why a Darvish extension happened, but I don't think it's a non-factor either. Yeah, like uh, I think I think the team, especially after going deep into the playoffs last year, uh, I think the t- the team is getting more celebrated. Um, and and yeah, I think you know they seem to like you, Darvish. He's had, um, you know, he just had a good season. Didn't have the greatest twenty twenty one, but he just had a good season and had some good starts in the playoffs too. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think the positive reinforcement is even if it's not, a, even if it's a very, very small factor, it's a factor. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, like they, they, and, and it, it works out for the Padres here because, you know, the, there's not as much positional depth, you know, they have plenty of position players, have plenty of guys in the lineup right now. Um, you know, but the, you know, they started Mike Clevenger game four of the NLCS last year and now he's even, now he's even gone, but like, 
you know. Well, I mean, gone is in multiple ways. Yeah, but, you but, know. but like, there's not, you know, Sean Mania was coming out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He wasn't what they wished him to be. Mike Clevenger wasn't what he what uh what the Padres wished him to be. They traded Mackenzie Gore, um, who probably also wasn't going to be what they wished him to be. So he had some promise, and then he kind he, of fell off in yeah, June or so. Yeah. Who Who knows with him? But it would have probably taken him a couple years to develop into like a solid, trustworthy starter. But yeah, like given given that there's not a lot of options, it makes more sense. Um, it makes me curious if they're more willing to let Blake Snell go now. And I wonder if um, I wonder what his contract will look like. Whatever team picks him up, because I imagine it would be a lot more than this deal the U Darvish deal considering he's younger the starting pitcher market on the free agent for free agency is interesting next year because it's Shohei Otani who's like his own market you yes. know there's no you know I don't think there's any pitcher being like see see that Shohei got that yeah. now I'm going off that <laughs> like nobody's doing that but right it's like Aaron Nola Blake Snell and like that's kind of it uh Julio Arias too I guess Julio Arias I forgot about him mm. but I don't know it's it feels weird I feel like he's still like 25 years old feels yeah. weird that he's a free agent yeah. Also, yeah. True. True. Like, yeah. I remember when I was at his first career start. Oh, nice. Yeah. It yeah. was also uh, David Wright's last career home run. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Same game. But yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember him winning Cy Young, and like, still people didn't really know too much about him. Yep. Yet. Um. But yeah, interesting career journey. He'll be a fr- Blake Snell will be a free agent after next year. Um. But yeah, anything more on uh anything more on the U Darvish deal? I think that was all I had. That was a good back and forth there. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, uh <coughs> Yep. All right. So now we'll get into the NL Central preview with players to watch. Also with each team we kind of go over basically the state of the team, who they lost, who they added. Mm-hmm. Um so we'll start from who, bo- who are we starting with? Because two teams finished tied for last. Yeah, I, I'm just starting with the Pirates. Oh, I guess. okay. So <laughs> I know in um in in fighting, if you if you fight to a draw, the def- the person who had the belt originally keeps the keeps belt. The belt. <laughs> so the Pirates are the so reigning to me, de- to reigning me, defending NL Central last place. <laughs> that's champs. fair. I don't know. To me, the Reds felt more like a last place team than the Padres did last year. Or the Pirates? Or the Pirates. Well, definitely the Padres. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the the Pirates will definitely like at the they beginning had, of the year. The, yeah. Let's look at the Pythagoreans, because I know the Pirates were project on the based on the Pythag- Pythagorean. I mean, were they were supposed to be better. Or no, they were supposed to be worse. 58 and 104. And the Reds, uh, 64 and 98. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah. I'll I'll do... We'll, we'll do Pirates to start. Yeah, I'm down. But, um... But yeah, the Reds. The Reds. You could. You could. T- you could be first next year, if you try hard enough. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the Pirates. They tried really hard last year. They did. <laughs> they, they went all out. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> but the Pirates went sixty-two and a hundred last year. Finished tied for last in the NL Central, as we just prefaced. Um, in terms of subtractions, I mean, just so many. Kevin Newman. Uh, <laughs> they lost. They lost a lot of they lost a lot of like pirate starters, but I don't know what they'll do, you know, in the rest of the league. But they lost Kevin Newman, Ben Gamble, Michael Chavis, Tyler Beatty, 
uh, Josh Van Meter, Greg Allen, Manny Benuelos, and Hoy Park. They added they added some guys that can play baseball. They added Andrew McCutcheon, G-Man Choi, Carlos Santana, Austin Hedges, Vince Velasquez, Rich Hill, and Yarlene Garcia. Um, who is uh, your Pirates player to watch? So I actually have two. Awesome. Uh, I, there are a couple teams where I have two. The Pirates are one of them. I think this is a really interesting team. Uh, they have a lot of intriguing pieces, and two of them I'm about to name you. One of them is Luis Ortiz. He is a starting pitcher, one of the top prospects in their system. He's like a fringe top 100 guy, and he got some time in the majors last year. In 16 innings pitched in 2022, he allowed 42 batted balls and an opponent's sweet spot percentage of just 26%, which is among the best in baseball. That usually gets you like at the top of the leaderboards. He also allowed only one barrel out of those 42 batted balls, and a hard hit rate against of 31%. Now, the, the important thing to know about Luis Ortiz is that he throws gas. 114 out of his 159 fastballs thrown were at least 98 miles an hour. The only pitchers to have a higher rate than that last year were Yoan Duran, Andres Munoz, Pete Fairbanks, Ryan Housley, Felix Batista, Edwin Diaz, Jacob deGrom, Gregory Soto, and Hunter Green. All of those guys are certified flamethrowers. The one difference with Luis Ortiz is that he didn't have the control that the other guys had. And that's obviously where he needs to improve. 61% of the fastballs he threw last year were either outside the strike zone or in game day zone 5, which means it was right down the middle. It's not where you want to put it. As a result, he had 5.6 walks per 9 last year. But the potential is there. He had a lot of strikeouts as well. Didn't allow any any type of hard contact. Uh, so that's that's why I'm looking at Luis Ortiz for this year. Yeah. My other pirate to watch is a guy who has not played in the majors yet. It's Andy Rodriguez, who is a prospect. He was, I think, number 25 overall on the pro- on the uh, on Baseball America, and he was 55 on Prospectus and Pipeline. So he's not, you know, a consensus top top prospect, but he's, you know, he's there. He was actually acquired uh, for in the uh, in the Joe Musgrove trade from the Mets. And he was born the day after me, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, he, Fangraphs lifts, lists him as a catcher slash left fielder slash second baseman, which is very fun. Yeah. Uh, last year in 531 minor league plate appearances at three different levels at high A, double A, and triple A, he slashed 323, 407, 590 for a 996 OPS. He had the fourth highest weighted runs created plus, which was 166, of anyone who played at any of the top four levels within the minor leagues. Uh, Fangraphs gives him a 70-grade hit tool for his future value, which is tied for the highest they've given anyone so far. They've only revealed like 10 teams or so. But as of right now, Andy Rodriguez is among the top hitters that they've, uh, they've projected. So my two pirates to watch are Luis Ortiz and Andy Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, um... So yeah, it didn't didn't take long this year. My no way. Uh, my you were looking pirates, at me. You were giving me that look. My pirates player to watch. Yeah, it's just that look of like defeat. <laughs> <laughs> and you also, I think you you dug more deep into into our guy. Uh, my player to watch is also Andy Rodriguez. Yep. Um. So yeah, ironically enough, highest ranked catching prospect for the Pirates. <laughs> Yep. If you don't know, they drafted a catcher number one overall in uh, in 2021. And that's not to say that Henry Davis isn't good. Yeah, it's just yeah, this guy this guy's pretty you know obviously fourth in weighted runs created plus at all levels of uh, minor league baseball last year. That's pretty crazy. Um, 
Yeah, number two overall Pirates prospect, number 55 overall MLB prospect, according to Pipeline. Uh, he's 22, so he'll probably get some some more time this year. Uh, also plays second base in outfield, as you mentioned. And yeah, he hit 323 with a 997 OPS in 125 minor league games last year. We have a different OPS. Oh, uh, I guess you round it up. Because for me, Fangraph said 9.96. Oh yeah, no, I well, I got it from uh, Baseball Reference, MLB.com. Oh okay. okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. Andy Rodriguez should be interesting. You know, it probably won't be hard for him to find a position on the field and find playing time because he apparently can play a lot of different positions. Um, and yeah, he's interesting. And I mean, a. a 997 OPS in the minors, like apparent, like this guy should be able to hit the ball yeah. pretty well. Um, so yeah, I guess you know an, an intriguing, exciting young, 22 year old guy um, who should be you know potentially exciting for the Pirates uh, for years to come. The Pirates have a whole as a whole look very interesting. I mean, if you look at their lineup right now, it's O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, Cabrian Hayes, G-Man Choi, Andrew McCutcheon, Carlos Santana, Jack Sawinski, Rodolfo Castro, Austin Hedges. Yeah. That's not a bad lineup. It's not great, but it's not a bad lineup at all. Yeah, there's like like actual serviceable. Yeah. And then MLB you you, know, you put guys like Andy Rodriguez in there, you know, maybe some other guys uh might get some more time this year. Maybe Nick Gonzalez gets time this year. Um Leover Pogero might get some time this year. So they got some interesting guys for sure. Yeah, the lineup the lineup definitely looks um more intriguing. I do worry about Andy getting his service time manipulated and not yeah. being down there for super long because the Pirates notoriously do that yeah. famously more than anyone else. True. Um, he played six games in AAA last year, so I think regardless of the team, he's probably starting there next year, mm. except for like maybe the Braves. That's like the only team that I think would call him up in that scenario. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm hoping we can see him in like May or June. Yeah. Uh, get him like 400 plate appearances or so. Right, exactly. That'd be really exciting. Exactly. Um. Yeah, you know, it's always good for a a younger guy in a rebuilding team to to come up and maybe make some noise. Um, what is your question? Yes. For uh for the Pirates. So my question, which is more likely? Mitch Keller produces an ERA below 3.45. He had a 3.91 last year. Mm-hmm. Or O'Neill Cruz leads the majors in average exit velocity. Uh I'd say I'd Definitely give it to O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, you know he. I, I don't think he led an average exit velocity last year. I'm he was ninety first percentile. Yeah, and but he does also. You know he has the hardest hit ball in the Statcast era ever. Mm-hmm. And Mitch Keller, I don't know, and and I don't know if the offensive environment is going to be as as uh, like prominent as as uh, or the offensive environment is going to be as soft as last year, so it might make it harder. But I don't know. <laughs> Pirates pitching in general, I'm very I'm very iffy on yeah. <laughs> this year. Um but uh but yeah. So my question also you know mentions one of the guys you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um pretty straight up will O'Neill Cruz have over or under a one twenty five OPS plus I believe he was at one oh seven last year. He was at 107 last year, and that was with a lot of struggles. He struck out a ton last year. Yeah. His strikeout rate was like 35 40%. Yeah. Um, I'm inclined to believe that goes down. I hope that he can maybe get some more plate discipline in as well. And I also think that just in general, 
he'll be better. So I'll I'll take the over on 125. Yeah, yeah. It seems yeah not not too ridiculous a number um, to have there. Although, yeah, the strikeouts are probably the biggest thing yes. in the way for him right now. I mean, we saw the flashes of potential, though. I mean, he homered off the Grom slider. Yeah. That on a pitch that wasn't even in the zone. <laughs> yeah. Like, that That tells you everything you need to know about O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, he's pretty stellar, for sure. Yes. Um. All right, so now we will lead to... That will lead to the Cincinnati Reds. Big Red Machine. Uh. Yeah. Um, they went. They went sixty-two and a hundred last year. Finished tied for last in the NL Central with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Nothing really happened for them in the off season in, subtra- in terms of subtractions or additions. They, they got lo- Will Myers. They lost. They lost Donovan Solano, Donnie Donnie Barrels, uh, Aristides Aristides Aquino Aquino, who. Uh, I think he's playing in a different country now. Yeah, twenty August twenty nineteen legend. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. The Punisher. Um, and uh, they also lost Mike Mustakis, who's more of a name. He didn't really produce anything for them last year. He and the the Reds added Will Myers, as you mentioned, Chad Pinder, who we know David Kilburn is going to be very <laughs> fond of. Uh, they Do you also, think he even knows? No. <laughs> they <laughs> also added <laughs> Kurt Casale and Luke Maley. Um, and yeah, I'll start with my Reds player to watch as we'll kind of zigzag it here. Um, my guy, it's, I guess it's more on the obvious side than we usually do. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard to pick out a guy, but this guy is particularly outstanding, even though, even though he is a reliever, um, it's Edwin Diaz's brother, Alexis Diaz, um, who last year had a one eight, four ERA, 276 expected ERA and a 32.5% strikeout rate in 63 and two thirds innings pitched. You know, a very full reliever season with a sub two ERA. Extremely good. <clears throat> and not only did he strike out guys at an extremely high rate, he didn't allow hard contact. His average exit velocity was in the 85th percentile. Uh, his expected ERA was in the 89th percentile. His expected batting average against was in the 99th percentile. Also, his whiff rate was in the 97th percentile, and his fastball spin was in the 100th percentile. Um, that fastball spin is important to note with uh, my next stat because he had a below-average sweet, sweet spot percentage against, had a line drive rate about 5 percentage points below average, and had an 11.9% pop-up rate. That 11.9% pop-up rate was top 6% among pitchers with 100 plus batted balls so you know him having the best fastball spin rate contributes to that because you know a a higher spin rate means the ball the ball is less affected by gravity than any than anyone else in the league so it's staying up the most amount so it has what they call more ride it's going up higher than a normal uh, fastball is so that's why guys are getting under it um, and popping it up which is a very good sign most of the, you know, Christian Javier is also a guy with a high fastball spin, uh, high fastball spin rate, and he has like the highest pop up rate in the lead, in the league, and pop ups are the best, um, out of out of pop ups, line drives, uh, grounders and fly balls. Pop ups produce the best results for pitchers. It's like an O twenty, yeah, <laughs> slugging percentage against, and it's usually those ones that just fall in the middle that 
are like should be errors, but you can't count it an error <laughs> as an error. Mm-hmm. But they, no one earns a hit on a pop up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so Alexis Diaz is my uh, 2023 Reds player to watch. Who is yours? It's a good pick, Chris. So I figured Hunter Green would be a little on the obvious side, so I decided to stay away from him. I instead went with the other young Reds starting pitcher, a guy that was one of my how about that's late last season. I'm going with Nick Lodolo as my Reds player to watch. Uh, he ended the season really strong last year. From August 17th through the end, we were in Baltimore that day, uh, he produced a 2.75 ERA and a 3.45 FIP in 55 and two-thirds innings pitched. He ranks 17th among qualifiers in ERA, 10th in Sierra, which means he did a very good job of uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio while also allowing ground balls at a stellar rate. And he was 7th in opponent's batting average at 182. Uh, During this span, he upped the usage on his curveball from 23.4% to 34.7%. So he he, uh, upped his curveball usage by about 50%, a little less than that. And he threw the most curveballs in the majors uh, from August 17th on at 305. uh, Adam Wainwright was just behind him at 300. Among the 32 pitchers that throw at least 150 curveballs over this time, Lodolo's curve had the lowest average opponent's average at 103, the seventh lowest opponent slugging at 191, and the sixth highest swing and miss rate at 22.3%. His curveball had a 9.4% line drive rate. Wow. That's insane. And an 18.8% pop-up rate, like you mentioned earlier. Lodolo threw his curveball 42.3% of the time against lefties throughout the season. This is, We're out of the August 17th stretch. Just throughout the season, Lodolo threw his curve 42.3% of the time to lefties. That's the 17th highest rate among the 195 pitchers to have thrown at least 50 curveballs to lefties. So uh, he was 17th out of 195 in the rate at which he threw curves to lefties. And it paid off because left-handed opponents slugged and hit 048 against his curveball. They got a hit less than 1 in 20 times. They didn't record a single extra base hit. So Nick Lodolo has a lot going for him, and I think he is due for a breakout this year. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he was definitely um, yeah he was definitely someone who kind of popped out to me looking at the team uh, reference page. Yeah, yes, over eleven strikeouts per nine last year. He was um, you know, definitely a lot of potential with him. I think he's going into his age twenty five season. Yes, too. he is. He's one of those three. Yeah, I do think that Hunter Green has the higher ceiling between the two. I think at his peak, he's a Cy Young candidate. Yeah. Um, Lodolo needs a little bit more to get there, I'd say, but yeah. I wanted to go with the less obvious of the two. Yeah, and um, perfectly leads right into my next question, Yeah. which is who will have the better season, Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo? I will I will take Hunter Green. I know that I chose Lodolo as my player to watch, but I, I think Hunter Green is a guy to be very excited about, and that also leads into my question. Um, so... Hunter Green threw 125 and two-thirds innings pitched as a starter last year. Obviously a low number for a guy that you expect to be starting throughout the season. Um, he, threw a, he threw 337 pitches that were above 100 miles an hour. Does he get to 500 this year? 500. All right. Let me, do, let me calculate a little bit of math. Because if he did the same rate per inning, so he that means 125 innings, that means he threw... 2.7, about 2.7 uh, per inning last year. So if I multiply that by 500, or no, 
Or wait, I I gotta do it the other way. I was uh, saying that doesn't sound like it. Yeah, <laughs> he has to throw two hundred innings. <laughs> oh no. Uh, one or wait, one twenty-five divided by three thirty-seven times five hundred. It would put him at a hundred eighty-five innings. Um, <coughs> and also, you know, the rate could change. He could throw harder next year. He could throw softer next year. Who knows? Um. <sighs> I would say, I would say uh, he does not get to five hundred. Okay. Um, but I think he'll get close. Yeah, I think he'll. Get my my close. my initial question was just going to be, does he break the record in a single season? And then I found out it was twenty eighteen. Jordan Hicks at six seventy three, and I was uh, like, well, he's not getting there. Yeah. Because <laughs> it makes sense because Hicks just only threw his fastball. Green as a starter has to have a more diverse arsenal. Yeah, I, and I think Green is going to qualify. I think he'll make yeah. probably close to thirty starts, but also like I mean. Getting to like 180 in, innings these days is uh yeah it's quite a bit it's quite an accomplishment so like you know I think as a younger guy who the Reds have no reason not to be cautious with right now mm-hmm. since they're not really a winning team um you know he'll get he'll get a little bit of you know less of a workload but yeah I think he'll get close to 500 great um all right so that leads us to the Chicago uh, Cubs the Chicago Cubs. From Wrigleyville, as I need to, I just closed my phone. Um, the Cubs they went seventy four and eighty eight last year. They finished third in the NL Central. They lost uh, Franmil Reyes, Rafael Ortega, and Jason Hayward. Uh, they added they added quite a bit. They added Dansby Swanson, Jamison Tyon, Trey Mancini, Cody Bellinger, Brad Boxberger, Eric Hosmer, Tucker Barnhart, Luis Torrens, and Tyler Duffy. Um, Who's your player to watch from the Chicago Cubs? I'm sticking with the youth here, obviously. Um, going with a guy who looked really, really good in his short time with the Cubs last year. I'm talking about Hayden Wesneski. Uh, he looked awesome for the Cubs in 33 innings pitched last year. He had a 2.18 ERA and a 3.20 FIP. He only made six career starts, but he became the second pitcher in baseball history with five innings pitched, six strikeouts, and one or less. Home, or one or less earned run and one or less walk in three of their first six career starts. The other person to do that was Burt Blylevin. Wow. It's just Burt Blylevin and it's Hayden Wesneski and that's it. Uh, from the date he debuted through the end of the season, that was September 6th, Wesneski had the second lowest ex-WOBA among the 94 pitchers with at least 400 pitches thrown. That means expected ERA as well. The only person who had it better was Christian Javier. His hard hit rate, which was 27%, ranked 6th lowest among the 143 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls uh, given up during that time. And also his two most commonly used pitches, which were his slider and his four-seamer, respectively had an expected batting average of 154 and 102. Uh, the 102 expected batting average against his four-seamer was the second lowest among the 469 pitchers to have at least 25 plate appearances and on a four-seamer. Wow. So Hayden Wesneski looked really awesome. Peripherally, he was great. Uh, you know, just regular, if we're going by regular counting stats and basic stuff, he was great, and he's a guy to watch out for. Uh, interestingly, Fangraphs does not have him on the opening day roster right now. I think I think David Ross would be willing to pull that trigger and put him on there. Uh, yeah, it, it would be weird not to have him out there, although I guess they did just sign a pitcher, but I don't know if that's... I don't know if it served. Would you rather have Adrian Sampson out there? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to be he fair, had, he wasn't bad last year. He had a three one one ERA, but don't look mm-hmm. at the other stuff. Um, 
<laughs> don't look at don't look at the peripherals. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I have um. Yeah, I I figured you'd go with him because you you mentioned him at yeah. the end of last year. Um. My Cubs player to watch was how about that of mine. Um. Like late summer. Um. You know they they have Wesneski. They have Marcus Stroman who who. Uh, was signed to a big deal last year, and they just signed tie on to a big deal. But I think this guy's. I if I had to predict, I think this guy's going to be the best Cubs pitcher this upcoming year, and that's Justin Steele. I would agree. Um, he's 27 years old. He had a 3.18 ERA, 3.20 FIP, and 3.59 expected ERA, and 24.6% strikeout rate last year. In his final 10 starts of 2022. Uh, he had a 1.49 ERA, 2.276 FIP, and a 28.8% strikeout rate. Uh, in that span, he was second in ERA and ninth in strikeout rate. That was a 10-start span. Um, and over the whole season, he had an 87.1 mile per hour average exit velocity against, which is pretty low, and a and a very minuscule. Uh, 3.9% barrel rate against, which put him 80th and 95th percentile in those respective categories. Um, Justin Steele also had a 51.9% ground ball rate, which out of 155 pitchers with 250-plus batted balls uh, against them, that ground ball rate ranked 15th, top 10% um, ground ball rate from Justin Steele. Uh, Hitters also hit... uh, 136 and slugged 216 off of his slider, which he used 31% of the time. Out of 85 pitchers to throw 500-plus sliders in 2022, Steele had the 6th lowest batting average and 6th uh, lowest slugging percentage against on that pitch. So his slider was very effective, got good results. He, had a, you know, he has a very high strikeout rate, uh, soft contact against him, and he's also only 27, so... Um, you know, hopefully should be getting be- even better than he was last year. So definitely a guy to look out for. I think he missed the ma- last month of the year last year. So hopefully that injury doesn't, isn't, uh, doesn't linger, isn't a lingering thing. Um, but yeah, a guy to, a guy to look out for. And yeah, I, I think we would both predict would probably be the best pitcher should, should be the best pitcher for the Cubs in 2023. I feel like he probably has the highest upside of everyone yeah. uh, in Chicago's rotation, at least. Yeah. Like he is, yeah. The, the strikeout numbers are surprising, considering also he doesn't he doesn't throw too hard, but he still no. gets strikeouts. I mean, the Cubs like they've created like a culture of guys that don't throw too hard. Yeah, yeah. It's like still... the only real outlier throughout like the recent history is like Arvaldo Chapman for two months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, what is your uh, question regarding the Cubs? So this is something we've talked pretty well about over the off season and I, I think it's a pretty fitting question. Uh, I could probably say the first part of the question. I think you'll, you'll know the two players I'm talking about. Who will live up to their contract more this year? Oh, is it Swanson or Tyon? Yep. Uh, who will live more up to their contract? Well, It's interesting because they have very different standards to live up to said contracts. Yeah, I would say Tyon got overpaid more. However, Swanson has a much bigger deal in years and, and total value and approximate or uh whatever uh, average annual value that's what i meant to say because mm-hmm. yeah swanson's getting paid 25 mil a year uh tyon is getting paid 17 mil a year so who's going to live up to that more um 
I think it's going to be. Uh, I th- I think it'll be. That's a, that's a tough question. I think yeah. it'll be Dansby Swanson. I think he'll. I think he's just overall a better player. However, I think Tyon. You know, going back to the NL Central, I think there's maybe a little bit. You know, I don't think it'll be a disaster contract necessarily. Um, even though I think it has a big potential to be, but you know, him going back to the NL Central, some some weaker offenses, it might work out a little bit better but i think dansby swanson will uh live up to the contract a little bit better mm-hmm. um my question is also regarding dansby swanson nice so swanson had 3.4 f4 in 2021 and 6.4 f4 in 2022 halfway point of that is 4.9 mm. will he be over or under 4.9 f4 in 2023 i'm gonna take the under i mean i think he was very, you know, his his F four was very carried by his defense last yeah. year, uh, and he put himself at such a high standard to be able to replicate that. I think it's pretty easy to say that twenty twenty two will have been his best statistical season. Yeah, four point nine though that is that is a lot to live up to. That's like an all star type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't. I I I'm thinking he gets more in like the like 4 to 4.5 range. I think he's just barely under. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, still a good player for sure. Uh but yeah, it's um yeah, last year was weird and sometimes stat cast without above average can just be kind of random sometimes. Yeah. Defense is hard to evaluate. Um all right, so that leads us to Milwaukee with the Brewers <coughs> who they went uh 86 and 76 last year. And finished second in the NL Central. Uh, they just trailed the Phillies uh, for the seventh seed of the wild card. Um, and, you know, to put it bluntly, had a rough offseason, too. Uh, they lost Colton Wong, Hunter Renfro, Andrew McCutcheon, Jace Peterson, Taylor Rogers, Brad Boxberger, Omar Narvaez, and Brent Suter. Uh, the, the last two weren't really big contributors last year. The Brewers added... Jesse Winker, William Contreras, uh, Abraham Toro, Wade Miley, and Owen Miller. Um, and I'll start with my Brewers player to watch. <clears throat> He's a little bit higher profile, but I I think he might, specifically this year, might do a little bit better because of some rule changes that went on. Mm. I'm talking about Ra- Rowdy Telez. Um, he had the third highest OPS in the Brewers last year, and the two above him were Hunter Renfro and Colton Wong, who are gone. Um, more like Colton gone. More like, more like Colton Gong. Me, or Colton Wong. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> more like Colton Wong. Or Colt- <laughs> more like his actual name. <laughs> more like Colton go- Gone. Yeah, you did it. Colton Gone. <laughs> uh, more like Colton Gone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they are both gone. And uh, Rowdy Telez, among the 81 hitters with 400-plus batted balls last year, he had the second unluckiest difference in batting average and expected batting average. He was behind Corey Seager, and much like Seager, Telez had trouble against the shift. Telez was shifted against 79.9% of the time last year, and when he was shifted against and he hit the ball straight away, uh, he was expected to have a 363 batting average, but only hit 267 on those batted balls. Uh, he hit 121 ground balls, either pulled or hit straight away against the shift, 
and he hit 099 on those ground balls. Uh, the league average on ground balls last year was 241. So if he had league average results on ground balls against the on if he had league average results on ground balls pulled or hit straight away against the shift, uh, he would have uh, 17 more hits last year. So there's potential for him to, you know, increase his batting average by a lot, and you know, therefore his on base percentage by a lot, by there not being a shift at all uh, this upcoming year. So, you know, you could argue behind Corey Seager, he was like second most affected against the shift. So um, he's someone to look out for to maybe, um, you know, increase his offensive numbers because of uh, because of the shift going away. Uh, who is your Brewers player to watch? My Brewers player to watch is another uh, person on offense. I like that pick a lot, by the way. Because Corey Seager's been getting so, so, so much attention. Yeah. Roger Telez is like the guy right behind him. Yep. yep. Um, so, I mean, my pick is a, is an offensive player on the Brewers. I think we all know that that's their issue. Uh, they yeah. have stellar rotation, really good bullpen. Um, and I think their best offensive player this year might have been an addition. I'm talking about William Contreras. Oh, yeah. I think that's a guy that... I mean, first of all, his 138 weighted runs created plus last season would have led the Brewers. And I'm not just talking about guys who qualified. I mean, anyone who stepped out of the plate at any time for the Brewers. Garrett Mitchell was their leader in weighted runs created plus at 136, and he had 62 plate appearances. William Contreras still would have beat that (laughs) in 376 plate appearances. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, and they're, they're getting a guy that will ideally put their offense at a, at another, another level. And not only that, but the home run park factor for American Family Field was 117 last season. That means uh, home runs were 17% above the average at that venue last year, compared to only 95 at Truist Park, where Contreras previously had played. So he's going to be in a more favorable ballpark for his type of offense mm. and for a type of offense that can help the Brewers thrive a lot more. Um, because that was their weakness last year throughout the entire season. The thing that he needs to do to take his game to the next level is to start lifting the ball, specifically on breaking balls. Contreras had a negative 0.9 degree launch angle on breaking balls last year. That was the lowest of the 281 hitters with at least 200 batted balls against breaking pitches. He had the lowest launch angle on, on the list of 281. So... Uh, you know, naturally, he needs to start lifting the ball on curveballs and sliders a lot more. Uh, that's where he can improve. Also, I found this interesting. Uh, in 60 games played as a catcher last year, William Contreras slashed 301, 396, 599, 995. That is MVP-type offense right there. In 34 games at DH, he slashed 235, 281, 353, 634. So he was a replacement-level player as a DH. And in this case, it's good that the Brewers have a guy like Jesse Winker, who is a pretty prominent DH, a guy that's going to be there most of the time. Obviously, as a catcher, if you have your catcher as an everyday player, you can't just put him at catcher every day. Like, he's going to have to play DH. But it's good that the Brewers have a certified DH uh, that'll be there most of the time. Yeah. So, William Contreras, I think he has a chance to be the number one player in this Brewers offense, um, and those are the things he needs to do better. Yeah, yeah, that that was you know a sneaky good pickup. I think mm-hmm. they got him for like nothing. Yeah, that was that was the crazy part. It was like uh, you know it was known as the Sean Murphy deal because you know Sean Murphy was the best. Uh, yeah, was the best player in that deal. He went to the Braves. But yeah, William Contreras just randomly gets put on the Brewers and the A's. You know, get fleeced, which was kind of the takeaway from it all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we you know don't don't forget about the Brewers getting William Contreras because that was pretty big. 
Um, so my question to you, um, maybe I should have included your player to watch in this question, but I put specifically these two. I guess yeah. left-handed left left-handed power headers. Who will have more extra base hits, Rowdy Telez or Jesse Winker? Ooh. Uh, honestly, I think you've convinced me on Telez. Mm. Um, Winker has got a lot to come back from this year. He was reportedly a clubhouse issue and also just a non-field issue statistically last year. Um, is he still serving a suspension, or did he did he get finished with that? Um, I think he no, that was Anthony Rendon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but the Angels took him off the IL last year, <laughs> even though he was very hurt at the yeah. end of the year, just so he could serve a suspension. That's, I mean, that's really smart. <laughs> Why not? Like, they were already out of it. Um, yeah. I'll take Telez. You know, I think that ballpark will play very well to him, as as it will with Winker. That's a guy that I think is a, is a good comeback candidate, but mm-hmm. I'll take Telez there. Yep, yep. Very fair. Both, uh... It, yeah, Telez can hit the ball hard. Yeah. He killed the Red Sox when he was with the Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, my question, this is a, a fun one. Who strikes out more batters, Wade Miley or Devin Williams? <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is another one where I feel like I have to do math. So if you, I figure Williams will strike out like 14 per nine, and maybe Miley will strike out six to seven per nine. Um, so we'll... Will uh, Williams get to half as many innings as Wade <laughs> Miley is kind of the issue there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Like, Wade Miley, I think he's a guy that... This is, like, you're not just, like... They're ex- I mean, Wade Miley's going to be in the opening day rotation. Will he be yeah. there the whole season? I don't know. Right. And I feel like he's been good at getting innings, usually. Yes. Like, I, yeah, he. I think he led the 2015 Red Sox in innings. <laughs> I mean um, that was eight years ago. It was eight but years ago. He's done well since as well. Oh, only thirty-seven innings last year, but one sixty-two the year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take uh, Devin Williams. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think he'll edge him out because I think Miley will get maybe a hundred ten innings, and Williams will get around sixty to seventy. Yeah. And yeah, it's like double was, the strikeout rate. I, I enjoyed writing that question. I I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoyed when it came out of your mouth for <laughs> sure. It was that was very funny. <laughs> Um, all right, so now we move on to uh, our final team of the day, the uh, reigning defending NL Central champion, St. Louis Cardinals, who went 93-69 and 69 to win the NL Central last year, got swept in the wildcard round by the Phillies. Um, the They uh, lost Albert Pujols, Jose Quintana, Yadier Molina, and Corey Dickerson. They added Wilson Contreras and uh, Oscar Mercado. Uh, it's kind of the only significant. And they had one. Oscar Mercado. Oh yeah, they did add Oscar Mercado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. They, but Wilson Contreras is the main guy <laughs> that they added uh, for five years and eighty million. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Cardinals coming in, defending champs. Who do you got uh, for a player to watch? Well, you know who I got. I for do. A player I do to watch. Know This is. I. I've been meaning to write about this guy. I will. I just haven't had the time. Uh, but I'm talking about one of my favorite players in the league, Andre Pallante. Uh I hyped him up a lot last year during the season. I've been kind of quiet about him during the offseason because I'm trying to write about him. But I'm, I'm bringing my silence here. This is the man with the four-seam sinker. Mm-hmm. Uh, never before. That, that's not true. Not never before seen. But he, is the sec- he had the second highest ground ball rate in the majors last year among the 184 pitchers with at least 200 batted balls against. He had a 65% ground ball rate. Framber Valdez, of course, had a 67%, which was 
above him, but still, he's only two points behind Valdez. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, his four-seamer produced an average launch angle of negative 9.8 degrees. That's the lowest in any season since 2015 in which a pitcher had at least uh, 150 batted balls against their four-seamer. And by the way, that's the lowest of 484 seasons. If you went by just 2022, he was the only pitcher to produce a negative launch angle on his four-seamer, and it was negative 9.8 degrees. Mm. which is hilarious. Wow. Uh, Palante's fastball in September slash October produced the second lowest launch angle of the 3,936 months since 2015, where a pitcher had at least 25 batted balls against their fastball. It was negative 15.8 degrees. The only person with a lower launch angle in any month was Tyler Rogers, mm. uh, who throws underhand. Yeah, sidearm guy. Yes. Uh, Pallante also had, in other months in 2022 for Pallante, produced the 4th, 9th, 14th, and 15th lowest launch angles on that list as well. Uh, last year, opponents hit 293 against his fastball, uh, which included a 324 BABIP, so there was a bit of, bit of misfortune for him there, although he did have a high uh, average exit velocity against it. But nonetheless, it had a 263 expected batting average, so he yeah. did see some misfortunes on that fastball. But other than that, he is... Uh, in every sense of the word, a ground god. Uh, he's a starter-reliever combo, but I think he works better as a reliever, so I hope that's the role that he plays for the Cardinals this year. He'll also be playing on Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic, so you can catch some of that action uh, before opening day Yeah, on the national stage. Yeah, for those... Um, for international those, stage, actually. For those who maybe are new to us, we, we kind of have grown like an obsession with ground, like very specifically ground ball pitchers. Yes, because or pop fly pitchers or like pop fly pitchers because like I don't know it's just fun to point out the specialties like that so guys like Framber Valdez and Andre uh, Palante yeah. are are guys we look at for sure um, and yeah it works works out tremendously because yeah I think the average slugging percentage on ground balls is is like two seventy or something so mm-hmm. works out makes sense you don't hit more than a double usually on ground balls sometimes yeah. a triple never a home run yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, my uh, player to watch. I changed it from what it was uh, earlier in the week because they just added this guy. I don't know if he's gonna make any like MLB contributions this year. Oh boy! So this is a risk. It's a this is a big risk. Uh, I could have gone more obvious. The like the other candidate was Lars Nupar, who I thought was kind of like, that is a little obvious. It's a little more obvious. But this guy, he, he popped off the sheet for me because I was looking at Royals players to watch. But he actually was just, he was purchased uh, by the St. Louis Cardinals off the Royals just on February 8th. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, he, he got sent. So this guy, Anthony Misowitz, uh, he got sent down by the Mariners in I June last year. Yeah, He went to the Royals uh, and was purchased by the Cardinals less than a week ago. So he had a 14% strikeout rate with the Mariners against 57 batters. But then, after going to the Royals, had a 30% strikeout rate with the Royals against 64 batters. Also, his whiff rate went from 21% to 27%. Uh, The big difference I could find was average four-seam fastball velocity. His average four-seam fastball velocity went from 92.5 miles per hour with the Mariners to 94 Point three miles per hour with the Royals, so a one point eight mile per hour f- four seam fastball velocity difference. 
with the Royals last year. For some reason, the Royals, you know, don't want to deal with him. They probably know a lot more than I do, given I've, I've just looked at Baseball Savant a couple of times. Yeah. A, a couple of times. But this is, like, my biggest probably shot in the dark um, with with the Cardinal or uh, with players to watch. Um, but he's a he's a lefty reliever, and he had a 30% strikeout with, rate with the Royals last year while also walking at, like, less than an 8% rate. Um, so he has control of the baseball and he increased his fastball velocity by like two miles per hour in the middle of last year. So who knows? We'll see if, uh, if he can carry that in. I don't know if he'll make the MLB roster out of spring training, but yeah, just, uh, it's, it's an, it's a one where I could only make this early in the, uh, early in spring training. Well, yep. <laughs> rosters are not being finalized. Um, yeah. So yeah. Who, or yeah. Uh, yeah. What is your uh, question? question? So the last time a pitcher threw 175 plus innings and had an above average ERA plus at age 41 or older was R.A. Dickey in 2017. Hmm. Will Adam Wainwright add to that list this year? 175 innings, above average ERA plus. Above average ERA plus. Um, and he threw 190 innings last year. Hmm. So yeah, I think the I think both of those, both of those are definitely like. And he had a 103 ERA plus. Yeah, both of those marks are possible for him, but also question marks, which is what makes this a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think may- maybe I'm more confident on the innings than the ERA because, you know, he's getting a little bit older um, and, you know, guys are hitting him a little bit better. Um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say he doesn't do that. Okay. I think one of those numbers doesn't happen. Um, but if you were to say, can he get to one of them? Sure. I don't think he'll get both. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. What is your question? My question was, uh, who will have the better which which young Cardinals outfielder will have the better recovery? Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson? Um, Tyler O'Neill was my Cardinals player to watch last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of my biggest flops because it was one of the most obvious guys that I went with, and he had an above average uh, weighted runs created or an average weighted runs created plus uh, due to some injury as well. Yeah, but he had some hot streaks here and there. Dylan Carlson, admittedly, I haven't looked too much into. I mean, he's kind of he just, was at around a 100 OPS plus yeah, last year. Yeah, so he's he's what like 24 now, and yeah. O'Neill. Uh, O'Neal strikes out a lot and doesn't walk a lot. So his play really depends on if he hits the ball well, specifically if he drives the ball. Carlson, I think, has a little bit of a more diverse skill set. Yeah. That's just that's just me going off the top of my head. Let me look into him real quick. Is, is it allowed to – am I allowed to look at baseball reference pages while I yeah. make these picks? Okay. I think I did. All right. He's 23. You know, we, we can make educated guesses around yeah. here. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go with Dylan Carlson. Nice. I, I think that's a, a a bit of a hot take, but I will. I, he's he's gonna be 24 this year. It's gonna be his uh, third full season. I think I think this is where we start to see it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, he had a pretty good 2021 season. Uh, he finished third in the Rookie of the Year voting and had a 115 OPS plus. So I mean, I think 130 is a ceiling for this year. Yeah, yeah, it would. Uh would be interesting yeah i mean like 
you can definitely say, I think with Tyler O'Neill, he has the most breakout potential, but he mm-hmm. also has the most like flop potential. You know, his, his, what, what he can do in a season varies the yeah. most. Dylan Carlson, maybe a little more consistent. So, um, you know, I think that's what makes it an interesting topic to discuss. Yeah. Uh, Carlson's strikeout rate went from 24.6% to 19.3% last season. His walk rate is just under 10%. Nice. So, yeah, I'm going to take Dylan Carlson here. I feel good about that pick. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, all right. Well, I guess that takes us to the end of the episode. Um, and yeah, it'll for our uh, reveal of uh, the division we'll be doing next year or next, next year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the 2024 previews. <laughs> next uh, next week, I'm just double. I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but I'm just double checking. I know what it is. Uh, yeah, it's um, one of the baseball teams. Yeah, yeah. it's it's that it's that uh, it's that division. Yep. Uh, the 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 next division we'll be talking about you could argue is the best division in baseball it's yeah, the NL East they've got three legitimate World Series contenders one of them the the least power of, or the least like uh, strong on paper of them went to the World Series last year yeah so I mean that's how good we're talking baseball here and then we got you know the Marlins and Nationals yeah yeah the, you get the Nationals who uh, they've got they've got players that play baseball Abrams yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. It sucks. Um, but yeah, we'll be talking NL East next week, and those that that episode will probably be harder for us because it's hard to find under the radar guys on the. Yeah, I already got my guys on the Mets and Mets Phillies and uh, who's he what's it's Braves. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think I've picked I've picked out players, but it could change. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it is it is more uh, difficult with them. But yeah. We'll be talking NL East next week. We hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to check out the YouTube channel, it is called Above Replacement Radio. Yeah. And if you're listening on the YouTube channel and want to you know, check out those feeds, go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It is called Above Replacement Radio, just like the YouTube channel. And um, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter, Echoes underscore Gianta. Follow me on Instagram at Chris Gianta and follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next week where we will be talking the national league East. We will see you then. This conversation, this conversation is over. Is over.